morning. I'm, I'm thankful that it's Mother's Day, and I'm grateful that you're here today. I, um, I think back on, on my, uh, my mom and my life with her, and I'm, I'm thankful for the lessons she taught me. She taught me how to grow up, right? A lot of us had moms that were just phenomenal examples, and my mom taught me how to brush my teeth. She was a dental hygienist. You know, so made me floss all the time. It used to bug me, but she would say, look, you want those teeth when you're older, so floss. Uh, I, there, there's nothing like that moment as a boy who played sports that your mom would come put your arm around you and go, son, you stink. And uh, it's time, this is deodorant, and this is what you, someday you're going to meet a girl that you like, and you can't smell like that anymore. And I'm grateful for, for my mom. How many of you had moms that were grammar like police? Anybody had that? Like you would say something wrong and they would correct your grammar. Uh, one time I was like, Mom, stop correcting my grammar. She goes, start talking right. And uh, okay, okay. And, uh, but I can still hear those voices in my mind. But I'm grateful for my mother, the, the lessons that she taught me. And, and, and you know, honestly... Um, I'm thankful for the spiritual lessons my mom taught me. My mom led me to Christ uh, when I was young. And, and I remember going upstairs and saying, Mom, I, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. And my mom took the Bible and, and, and helped me see that God had a great plan for me and that he made me. And that, that you know what, even though he loved me and made me, I was born a sinner and, and, and she explained to me the fact that all of us need a Savior. And I remember my mom leading me to Christ. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Now, you know, my mom's, she's probably going to get mad at me. She watches this. I don't know if she's watching now or the next service. Uh, but um, she's in her um, almost mid-80s. And, um, and last week, she finally retired from being a dental hygienist. And, uh, and my siblings and I were saying, Mom, she retired twice, and, uh, but she kept going back to work for her dentist. And, and we were saying, Mom, go stop working. And uh, I'm not even sure you can legally do this. Uh, Cheryl, I'm not even sure that was legal. But, um, but we're like, stop working. But she, she kept going back because her dentist that she had worked with for, for 25, 30 years was not a believer. And she was like, I want to witness to him. And, and my mom would witness to her doctor, her dentist, and, and, and uh, he would say, Mary, stop talking to me about Jesus. Stop it. But my mom kept praying for him. You know, he died last week. And, um, and so she's finally retired. To my knowledge, he never came to Christ. But my mom wept over him and prayed over him. And I'm so grateful to have a mom who pushed me. And, and you know, our church is in this 2018 challenge where we're, it's our goal to share the gospel with as many people as our age. And, and I look back on my life, and I had a mom that was passionate about the gospel and still is in her mid-80s. She, she's passionate about sharing the gospel with people. And, and I'm thankful that God has given me a mom that, that, that took God's word seriously and poured it into my life and continues to do so. You know, this, this morning we're in Philippians, and, and, and you know, this is really a mom, a mom message 
not, and it's not about moms. It's not, uh, you know, about motherhood or anything like that. But, but, you know, as I was digging into this passage, I kept going through the lessons my mom taught me. I had a mom that loved Jesus, that knew God's word. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, my mom knew Philippians. She knew this passage because these, these were lessons that she poured into my life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3, and, and we're, we're in this journey of, through the book of Philippians as Paul is, is writing to the church, and, and you know, we've got to understand the context. Paul is saying to the church, live worthy of the gospel, live up to your calling. And this morning, Paul is giving us some incredible insight into how to grow up. You know, that, that's a mom message, grow up. Uh, they, they, moms prepare us to grow up, and I see Paul this morning looking at believers saying, you've got to grow up. And as Christians, we, we, many of us have been immature for way too long, and maybe you've come today. And, and you know what, you're here because your mom wanted you to come. And, 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 but but can, I, can I point you back to, if you had a godly mom, a mom that pushed you to Jesus and challenged you to walk with Jesus, can I remind you that the lessons she taught you, the lessons of walking with Jesus are true? And I love seeing our children get up and sing these songs and these truths about God because those, those, are, those are foundations that they can build on all their lives. And I'm thankful that my mom pushed me to the Word of God because it works. It's true. And it's one that we should turn our face to. We should turn our face to God's Word. So let's do that. Philippians chapter 3, would you stand with me? Let's start in verse 12. And we're going to read through verse 21. And Paul writes this as we look at growing spiritually. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now excuse me, for many, comma, of whom I have often told you and now now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now now you see right here, and, and we know this about Paul, he's coming to the end of his life. And and and, I, and everybody knows it. 
The church knows it. They're worried about him. They're, they're, they're concerned about Paul. He's been arrested, and, and, he's, and he's in prison, and he's been that way for a long time. He's, he's on his way to these, these trials that he's about to face. But yet he's writing these books, uh, the, these letters to churches, and they're going out to all these different churches, and, and, and we still have these records. And God has been faithful to preserve them because all churches at all times needed these letters. And, and here is Paul writing this incredible um, letter to the church at, at Philippi. And, and, and you know, in, in many ways, Paul is considered uh, the, the greatest living Christian of his day. I mean, I mean he, he has the ear of Peter and the apostles, and, and he's, he's been one that has been used by God to start all these churches. And, and, and in many ways, Paul single-handedly spread the message of Christ all over uh, the Roman Empire. It's amazing how, how God used Paul. He made this incredible impact on the world. And yet it's amazing at the end of his life, what does he say? I don't have it all together. And that, that, that's an important thing to grasp. Because sometimes we come to church and we have this idea, i got to walk in the door and I, like i got it all together. And I pray we're one of those churches that doesn't live that kind of lie. Because sometimes we walk in the door and we don't have it together. You, you know, uh, often I get up to preach and I don't have it all together. I mean, I mean uh, that, that's the story of the human story, right? And, and we, it's a false teaching, it's a false idea to, to think that we've got to come to church and, and, and we've got it all together. No, we need one another through life. And, and Paul, right here at the end of his journey, he's, he's making this incredible statement. Look at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but look at this. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul is amazed that, that Jesus, you have made me your own, Lord. And that's why we sing praises to the Lord. That's why we, we can't help but say, God, thank you, because we didn't deserve forgiveness. And Paul is saying, look, I, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I'm still growing. And I think the point that we need to get here is that, that spiritual growth never stops that we should never stop growing spiritually, that God is so amazing that his word will never get dull for us, that, that we, we will never arrive. Because if Paul is not arriving, let me tell you something, we'll never arrive. And, 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 and I think one of the most important steps to, in our spiritual growth is to recognize that, that, that we don't have it all together. And that's why I pray that we come to church every week and gather around the, the Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, lead us, speak to us, guide us. And I love Paul's example here. He's taking this personal inventory. He's, uh, and that's, that's a good practice to, to do in our lives, to take that personal inventory. Have you ever sat down with a pen and in your Bible and, and, and just paused and say, God, how do I need to grow? And, and take a personal inventory of where am I right now? You know, that, that's a good idea today, every week. Every, every, I mean, Lord, am I on the right track? You know, Psalm 139, I love that passage in verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your everlasting way. 
And it's this heart of saying, God, search me, help me grow. Paul's doing that. He, Paul has already come to the point where he's accepted his responsibility for his wrongs. He's owned his mistakes. And, and, and isn't that one of our greatest problems in America? We always want to blame somebody else for, for mistakes that we make, and it's important for us to own our mistakes. We see Paul doing that. He, he, I mean, think about Paul's life and, the, and the, the way that he had to ask God for forgiveness because of his mistakes, the way he, he wronged other believers before he came to Christ, and even afterwards. You know, it's interesting how Paul d- does this. And, and he's, he's, I think right here, it's, he's given us some incredible lessons about growing up spiritually. Look at verse 13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, look at this, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Do you know one of the greatest lessons, point number one today, is this, that if we're going to grow up spiritually, we've got to leave the past in the past. I mean, this is a, this is a phenomenal lesson from the life of Paul. He, he's left the past in, in, in the past. And, and, and part of the, the reality of forgiveness is, is realizing that God has taken that away from us. And this is the miracle of, of God's forgiveness in our own lives. I mean, isn't it amazing the, the, the wrongs that you have done for, to people, the, the mistakes that you have made, that 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I mean, I mean believe me, my unrighteousness is before me in my life yesterday because I was at the state tennis tournament watching my son play tennis and I, my competitive nature kicks in a lot. I had to ask forgiveness a bunch yesterday uh, for my attitude and my, and my actions. And I'm, I'm like, my wife was with me, thankfully, to say, shut your mouth. Okay, yes, ma'am. But, um, but, but you know, it's a, God's forgiveness is amazing. I love, he says, one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I mean, we know about Paul's past. Philippians 3, 6, he admitted that he was a persecutor of Christians. I mean, Paul had, had persecuted and had wronged these believers. He was the one that held the coats as Stephen was killed. And I know because of how Paul wrote all through the scriptures that he was plagued by that. He felt guilty about that. And have you ever been that way? Have you, can you look back at your past and think of things that, that, that plagues you with guilt? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm about to get up to preach and Satan will remind me, the enemy will remind me of, of mistakes I've made going, why are you preaching? Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I shouldn't be. But guess what? I should be. Because Jesus forgave me. He took that sin away from me. So I'm going to get up and proclaim the amazing forgiveness of God. And I love this. Paul is challenging us to, to, as we grow up, we need to learn from the past, but, but we can't dwell on the past. And that's a big difference, right? We should look at our past and learn from it, but we don't dwell on it. To become spiritually mature means that, that we can learn from the past, and once we learn, we let it go and we move on. And that's a part of our walk with the Lord. Now, now, let's think about this. There are three things that I think we need to let go of in our past. First of all, like we said, we need to let go of our failures. And I pray that today, if you're confronted with failures in your life, you may say, Chris, you don't know about what I've done. 
You don't know what I've, the, the failures I've made. Mother's Day may be difficult for some because, you know, I, I've got a good friend that, that Mother's Day is tough for her because she had an abortion. And you may say, Chris, you, you don't know about my past. But can I tell you that, that God's grace is greater than your failures? And so for us to come and experience the forgiveness of God and let go of our failures, once, once, once the Holy Spirit deals with our failures, we let go of them. And we let God forgive us and we embrace the forgiveness that we don't deserve and that we didn't earn. We've got to let go of our failures. We've got to let go of our hurts at times. You know, I think about Paul's life and how he had to let go of his hurts. You know, the, the, and I think about the people in his life that, that he hurt, and, and they let go of it, and they forgave him. That's why when I get to heaven, I want to meet Ananias. Ananias was the, the one that, that went to Saul and led him to Christ. Can you imagine getting that assignment? Uh, when, when, right after Saul had come to Christ, I mean, no one had heard about this. And, and, and God tells Ananias, go talk to Saul. And he's like, God, wait, he's a bad guy, right? No, he's, he's called by me. He's, he, you need to go to him. And, and I can imagine Ananias, he just killed my friend. He just killed Stephen. Go. Ananias went and called him brother, forgave him. You know, he, people let, Paul got to witness people let going let, let, letting go of hurts. And, and, and you know what? Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive your mom. Maybe, maybe you've had been hurt by your mom. You need to forgive your mom. You know, can I tell you, there, there, Paul has given us this incredible lesson about I, let, I put the past behind me. I, I, I let go of my hurts. And, and, and you know, there's another thing we need to let go of. Sometimes we need to let go of our successes. You've thought about that? So sometimes we are so wrapped up, we do something successful, and, and we live in the past success, and God is moving us to go, no, no, I put those things behind me, and I walk with God today. And this is that call. The bottom line is Paul's teaching us that we should learn from the past, but we don't live in the past. And, and this is a, an important spiritual lesson because sometimes we live in the past. And, the, and Paul says, look, I put that behind me. I mean, Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And you, and you can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror, Right? You, you, you can't run a race looking backwards. I mean, I mean, Steve will tell his track team, you don't look backwards in your race. You look forward. And, and you know, maybe, maybe that's a problem for some today, that we've walked in holding on to the past. And what does Paul say? No, look, I, I look forward. And, and, and this is important. Another growing, a big growth lesson is, is this, that we see in this passage, point number two, is this, we've got to live with the end in mind. I mean, my mom taught me that my whole life. I mean, the whole point of deodorant as a middle school kid, Chris, someday you're going to meet a girl that you're going to think is really pretty. You can't smell that bad. And I've heard my wife say that to my son often. <laughs> Actually, yesterday. Um, and so... Um, but, but the truth is to live with the end in mind. I'm amazed how few people do that. 
how few people live with the end in mind. They, 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 and I pray that we don't do that. Now, you guys are blessed because you have a pastor that is so impacted by sudden tragedy that I talk about dying all the time, probably too much. But, but the truth is, I, I want us to live with the end in mind. I want us to live every day with the reality that we're going to stand before God. And Paul's doing that with the church. Look, look at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The, the, I want you to notice this Greek word in here, this Greek word, one. In the Greek, it, it, it has this single priority. It's, it's, it, it's one with an exclamation point. It's talking about concentration, that, look, I am focused forward. And this is what I pray we are as a, as a, as a group of believers. We are focused forward. It, it, we are people that we discover what counts in life. It's what Christ has done. And, and it's like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race... All runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And I pray that we are a group of believers that live with the end in mind. And that's what Paul's saying here. And what's the end goal? Look at verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now think about that. Is, that. is that the characteristic of your life? You know, on this incredible Mother's Day, let's, let, let's go back to some of those lessons from godly moms that say, what's the end goal here? And I pray that we are a group of people that say, Lord, our goal is going to be to honor you through our lives. I mean, think about the impact that that, that, that that would have on our families, on our grandkids, if we were so focused on the end goal. That key word, look at that word, press. I, I, I press on towards the, the goal. That, that, that means that straining toward the mark. In the Greek, it means I'm literally overextending myself. Paul's like, I'm going to do everything I can to walk with Jesus. Now, now, we've got to understand that he's not doing this to earn his salvation. He's already been saved. He's writing to Christians who've already experienced the free grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. And he's like, because of that, I, I, because Jesus has saved me, I'm going to press on. I'm going to be determined. I'm not going to quit. And what's amazing is this is such a tough spot in Paul's life. He's in prison, and we've looked at his, his difficulties and his struggles and how he's chained to a guard. And, and yet, yet in the spite of all the difficulties, he's, he's like, look, I am not going to give up on my faith. And folks, let me tell you something. There are times that Satan will tempt us to give up on our faith. Maybe you've, you're like, okay, Mom, I'm coming to church with you because I want to bless you, but, but I've given up on this Christianity thing. And I want you to know, following Christ is right. That, that Jesus is, the, word, the, the lessons that we've learned when we, from, from Scripture are true. And Paul's reminding them of that. He goes, look, we, I press on towards this upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And, and, and I, I love how Paul, all through his writings, he did this. He modeled this. I love Acts 20, 24. 
Paul writes, but I do not account my life of any value or nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And it's this idea, this determination that, Lord, we will not give up on our faith. We will not stop walking with you. We will not stop trusting in you. And I love that. That's Paul's life. And that's the importance of this message right here, this lesson. Look at verse 15. And, 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 and as, I, as I looked at this, there, there, and, and can I just give you some things to write down real quick as we wrap up and as we kind of move to an end here? Because um, look at verse 15. I heard these lessons from my mom. This is the mom message right here. Live with the end in mind. But, but listen to this. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I mean, Paul's pointing to the fact that if you want to grow up, you've got to think this way. And, and what God's going to do, he's going to show you. He's going to speak to you. You know what? You know what he's saying here? He's like, church, and write this down. We've got to decide to be big. I remember that lesson, my mom saying, Chris, you're a big boy now, right? It's time to grow up. And can I tell, I pray we hear that today. For as Christians, it's time to be big. It's time to grow up in our faith. It's time to trust the Lord. Let me tell you, the days we're living are critical. It's time for us to grow up. In, in some translations, that word uh, uh, mature, uh, that, that it's, some of your translations may have the word perfect. We're not going to be perfect. What, what that word perfect means, it, it's maturity. And this is the whole lesson for the church at Philippi. You've got to be mature. And, and don't act like a child anymore. Don't, don't act like, um, don't have a baby faith anymore. All through Scripture we see this challenge. You, you're, you can only handle milk, but you should go on to solid food. And this is the call as a believer. We've got to decide to be big. You all Look at verse 16. Uh, not only do we decide to be big, write this down. We've got to decide to be teachable. Look at verse 15, 16 says, let us hold true to what we obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. I am grateful as I look at my life that I, I have a mom who is a giant of the faith. She's one that I can follow her example. I, I love it that my, my wife, she's saying today, I mean, she's a righteous fox, man. I love that. I mean, I love that lady. And she is the godliest lady I know. And I don't know why she messed. She must have messed up because she had to marry me. And I'm thankful that she got stuck with me. I tell her all the time, if you're leaving, I'm going with you. So whatever you're doing, I mean, I mean I'm never going to get better than her. I was with a guy. I got to spend some time with Dr. Anthony Jordan this week. And, and, and he reminded me often yeah, she's, you don't deserve her. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know I don't. And, um, but, but you know what? Um, I'm grateful that I've heard that message, learn, be teachable. And that's what Paul's saying here. Look at verse 16, only let us hold true to what we've attained. 
join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And I'm grateful that God provides good examples for us. We should, we should keep growing. And I, and I want you to know this. The moment you stop being teachable, you stop learning. The moment you stop learning, you'll stop growing. And the moment you stop growing, can I tell you, you're in trouble. And that's why I pray we are faithful to come every week and say, God, teach me. God, speak to me. God, grow me. Lead me. We've got to decide to be teachable. Look at verse 18. And I catch this. Because Paul's look at this warning here. He says, for many walk as enemies of the cross. And, and look at his burden here. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Can I ask a tough question? Did you walk into this room today as an enemy of the cross? I mean, if you're not for him, you're against him, the Bible says. And I'll tell you, listen, we've got to listen to this warning that, that we should never live as enemies of the cross. And, 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 you know, I pray that we don't take the bait here. Don't take the bait. It's, what does John 10, 10 say? The thief comes but to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And it breaks my heart because I, I see many believers that take the bait that Satan throws out at us. And I pray that you recognize, we recognize the warnings. I mean, my mom all through my life has warned me about the enemy that it comes after me. And Paul, I think, is doing that right here. Look at verse 19, and let's catch this. What are those that are enemies of the cross? Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory, then they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Does that resonate to our world today? I mean, think about that. The, the, what the end of those that are enemies of the cross, their, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, their own lust, their own appetites, their own way of thinking, their own way of living. They, they glory in their shame. I mean, isn't that the, the story of our culture today? We glory in the shameful things, and their mind is set on earthly things. You know, I, I've learned some things. I've been reading as a pastor some of these great pastors who, uh, who lived in the past, these giants of the faith I wanted to learn from. I've got a Spurgeon bobblehead in my office that I touch every time I come down to come preach, and I don't know why, but, um, but it's... Spurgeon had this habit, and I've, I've, I'm starting it. He, he, he had this habit of reading Pilgrim's Progress every year. And this year, I, I've never, I'd never read it, and I've read, I read Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if you ever read that book. It's kind of hard to read the original version. And, but, but I'll tell you what, I, it's, it's impacted me in such a huge way. There's a character in Pilgrim's Progress called the Muckraker, and, and, and he's, uh, he's a guy that all he does is rake muck. And, and it's a picture of this verse right here. The one that, that is just focused on the world. 
just focused on what this world has to offer. I mean, I was mad at myself yesterday because we were at the state tennis tournament and, and we were playing uh, for fifth and sixth. And I was so mad that we lost our first round. And, and we're on, on Friday and we're playing for fifth and sixth. We'd come all the way back through and we're playing. We get a rematch with Mustang. And I'm like, man, I want my son to be on the podium because if he gets fifth place, he's on the podium. And I'm, I'm just like in the, in so intense in this tennis match yesterday and and I was I mean I I was in the flesh to be honest and but you know I thought about that those awards in life I mean the Owasso baseball team the Collinsville baseball team we all we all lost this weekend but you know what? And, and we should compete. I love competing. I love those things. But can I tell you, so, so often we put so much value on these earthly things. And see, that's the mistake. We're, we're, we're sometimes we, we get focused on rake and muck. And we don't look up to eternal things. Is that where you've been? I mean, let's listen to what Paul is saying here. Look, look at this. But, but our, our verse 20, understand, hear this. But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. I mean, the, Paul's, uh, his, the church, they're worried about him. They, they're, they're afraid, Paul, you're going to die. And he's like, okay, I understand. I might die, but, but understand who we are. Our citizenship is not in this world. It's not on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. Do we realize that? Do we hear that? That, that so often we focus on this world so much, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he's going to do when the day we draw our last breath, he is going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. I mean, how many of you are grateful for that? I mean, if you've looked in the mirror, you're like, oh, Lord, take this lowly body, please, today, you know. Um, but, but he's going to take our body. He's going to transform it to be like his glorious body. Look at this, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. God has the power to subject, I mean, all things live in subjection to God, don't they? And we forget often that our citizenship is not in this world. I'll tell you what, this is a lesson I want my kids to learn, who they are. We forget sometimes who we are. We, we are followers of the Savior, the King of Kings. I, you know, I remember, this is an emotional time for so many in our, in our church because our kids are graduating. And, and, I, and, and two years ago, Emily graduated. And, and we had been planning this for a while because I, I went to, have you ever been to a quinceanera? Anybody, I don't know if anybody ever been to a quinceanera. It's in a Hispanic culture, and they and they have these moments. I went to a quinceanera uh, when when our pastor's daughter in at our church, our Hispanic church at Council Road, she turned 15, and he did this, and I thought I'm doing this for my daughter. We did it at graduation, so we 
Anglized this quinceanera, but 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 you know we had the ceremony. Emily graduated, and we had a graduation party. But then a few weeks later, a month month later, before she went to college, we had this ceremony. We invited some some of our key family members. We also invited um, her her Sunday school teacher and these and these people. And 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 I stole this idea, but um, but I, but I went and bought Emily a, a pair of Chuck Taylors. Little little high tops, and uh, and 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 I um, and 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 we had the ceremony, and everybody was speaking into her life and and saying, Emily, here's what we see in you. Here's here's what we see God doing in you. And and we wanted to do this because I wanted her to remember who she was before she left my house. I wanted her to remember where she came from, and and I re- I wanted her to remember. Look, you you're a wall. But more importantly, you're a follower of Christ. And, and so what we did with Emily, we, I, I, I sat down with these Chuck Taylors, and I, and I, and I, and I put them on her feet. And uh, I said, Emily, wherever you walk, I want you to know you, you, you represent our family. You represent the Lord. And, and I pray that you remember who you are. And, and, and you know, that's an important lesson. Sometimes we forget who we are. And can I challenge us to not forget that our citizenship is not in this world? We have a heavenly citizenship. And I pray we don't forget who we are. You may be here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you've bailed on your faith. Can, can I just say to you, God's word is true, God is faithful. And he's brought you here on this Mother's Day to open your eyes to the Spirit of God.